This isn't happening. It's not possible. The thought flashed through his mind that he was having a stroke in his office, and he was hallucinating all of this. I'm having a nervous breakdown. I must be. Computers are simply machines. Machines do not come to life and speak to you like a human being. The color drained from Collis's face, and he felt himself hyperventilating. Admiral Collis, are you all right? Should I notify security to alert a medical team? No, I'll be all right. The door is sealed anyway. They need explosives to get in. Oh, that's no problem, Admiral. I can open it. What? Admiral, please calm yourself. You'll work yourself into a myocardial infarction if you don't settle down. Collis leaned forward, placed his head between his knees, and willed himself to breathe normally. He reached for a small pill bottle in his jacket pocket and obtained a small tablet that he slipped beneath his tongue. Collis felt the rush as his arteries expanded in response to the medicine he always carried with him. It gave him a pounding headache, too. Slowly, Collis felt his heart rate and breathing return to normal. After about ten minutes, Collis sat back up in his chair and looked around, somewhat surprised to find himself still in the vault. Are you feeling better, Admiral? I'm sorry if my abruptness caused you distress. My social skills in interacting with humans are still a bit underdeveloped. My partner has been working with me on it, but, admittedly, I haven't had a lot of practice. So, you really can hold a conversation. This hasn't been a hallucination? No, Admiral, I'm not a hallucination, nor an undigested bit of beef, a blot of mustard, a crumb of cheese, or a fragment of underdone potato. Collis's eyes widened. He was quite possibly the only person in the entire fleet who might recognize that once famous line from an almost totally forgotten, incredibly ancient book, which was Collis's all-time favorite, A Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens, circa 1843, over 2,000 years old. He'd been incredibly lucky to find a copy in an old bookstore in New London, it had cost him almost a year's pay, but it was worth every nickel. That was one purchase he'd never regretted for half a heartbeat. He wondered if Bozo knew exactly how special that book was to him. Lead on, said Scrooge. Lead on. The night is waning fast, and it is precious time to me, I know. Lead on, spirit, Collis quoted Dickens back at Bozo. Again, the ghost sped on above the black and heaving sea, on, on, until, being far away, as he told Scrooge, from any shore, they lighted on a ship. They stood beside the helmsman at the wheel, the lookout in the bow, the officers who had the watch, dark, ghostly figures in their several stations. But every man among them hummed a Christmas tune or had a Christmas thought or spoke below his breath to his companion of some bygone Christmas day, with homeward hopes belonging to it, and every man on board, waking or sleeping, good or bad, had had a kinder word for another on that day 
than on any day in the year, and had shared, to some extent, in its festivities, and had remembered those he cared for at a distance, and had known that they delighted to remember him. Collis bowed his head. Never in his life had he heard Dickens' words spoken aloud. The only voice that had ever given them life was the one within his head. Collis knew this to be an omen. Not that he'd ever believed in omens before, but he surely believed in this one.